You're listening to E-Commerce Marketing School, presented by Privy and Printful. Hey everyone, uh, here today with a special guest calling in from Istanbul, so excited for this one. But the background is that anytime I've spun up a Shopify store, whether I'm printing on demand with Printful or we're selling our own e-commerce marketing handbook on shop.privy.com, there's internal discussion around where we should price the products, right? Are we looking to optimize profit? Are we looking to grow revenue quickly? Are we looking to undercut competition or come in premium? And in a world where conversion rate is relatively constant, pricing can play a major role in growth. So in my book, pricing and packaging has to go hand in hand with marketing. It's almost impossible to separate the two. So I wanted to bring on Burke Tanier, founder and CEO of Pricing, to help school us on pricing. So Burke, welcome to e-commerce marketing school. Well, thanks a lot for having me, Ben, and thanks a lot for this encouraging introduction to the subject of pricing, because You know, frankly speaking, I mostly regard pricing as sort of an organizational orphan, which never really gets the, you know, attention it requires and so on. So make sure that it was a really encouraging introduction for the field of pricing. I mean, not not for me, but for the area of pricing itself. Yeah. Well, that's actually a good question before we get into all the normal stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. where do you think pricing should live inside an organization? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. And I believe it's really unanswered. I mean... Coming from our perspective, as, 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 as you know, and as I will mention in a while, we sell pricing software, right, to e-commerce companies. And I believe like really, really a minor fraction of e-commerce companies really have someone dedicated to the operation of pricing. So it's often like falling under the responsibility of the marketing manager because, you know, they manage their Google shopping feeds, etc., which is tied to marketing. So they mostly manage uh, like pricing. Sometimes there are some category managers in the team, depending on the size of the size of the company. So the category managers basically manage their own products under their categories pricing. But really, really rarely we see occasions where we are dealing with a pricing manager or a pricing specialist. So I would say mostly it's marketing, but also I see cases where it's sales category or also even some cases like finance responsible. So there is really a hard, hard, hard actually time to identify the direct responsible of pricing. Uh, and I, I, I like to say it's like, I think a team sport in a way in a company. So instead of just uh, being a, like, like a tennis star or something like that, you, so you should really need to regard this as a team sport. And for the founders who are listening, right? If you're operating a company and you're kind of a one person shop, so to speak, or a small team, I think that that really should live with you, right? And we'll get yeah. into some of the strategy and how they should think about it, but that's helpful to get your perspective. Mm-hmm. So so fill us in, Burke, what, what are you and the team up to with Pricing? Yeah, I mean, before before diving into the details of the product, just as I, as, as I mentioned in the introduction, so we are at the end of the day, I mean, if I'm being bold in, enough, we are trying to make pricing as relevant as it deserves for e-commerce because really, like I said earlier, I mean, I think it doesn't really get treated as it should have been done. I mean, it's not really treated as a marketing weapon, as a profit lever or whatsoever. So yeah, I mean, I think this show is a great step forward for me in that direction. So for me to actually like uh, radiate my message about the importance of pricing. So broadly speaking, man, I mean, we help Shopify merchants to price their products in a smarter, in a data-driven way. Like I said, as the field of pricing really deserves. And more technically, more specifically, the way we do it is that we help 
like those merchants that are mostly active in channels like Google Shopping or different price comparison engines to automatically track their competition prices. So we actually help them to see what all their competitors are charging for, for the products that they are selling. And on top of that, we help them to reprice their products automatically again, depending on those competitor prices. So essentially, I mean, I like to call it this way. So we sort of packed what Amazon has built internally when it comes to pricing. So, you know, they have like those hundreds of merch, sorry, hundreds of developers, et cetera, that are working on their dynamic pricing capabilities. So we packed that technology into a product and now offer that to all sizes of merchants from all around the world in a way like trying to level the playing field for those merchants. Nice. And so it's all built off of like tracking competitive products and the, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. pricing levels there. Maybe to add on top of that by sounding a little more visionary. I mean, competitive aspect is honestly just one step in our like rather lengthy, lengthy journey of pricing automation. So at the moment, the current offering is just relying on competitor prices and your obviously cost of goods sold and tries to sweet, find a sweet spot for your products automatically. But in the long run, like especially in the coming year, we will also start playing with some zero party data, like your internal conversion rates, I don't know, your inventory levels, etc., so that we sort of want to build, you know, if this, then that for pricing or Zapier for pricing in a way. So people will have access to all sorts of data points that are relevant for pricing and they will basically configure their like pricing rules and we will auto accordingly automate all their decision making. Amazing. I think it's super powerful. So, you know, even outside of the software, like help us understand, you know, are there some tips or pricing models or frameworks that anyone listening should think about in terms mm -hmm. of like the strategy of pricing mm -hmm. and the different approaches there? Sure, sure. I think if I try to like draw a framework, if I try to describe one specific agenda for pricing decision making, I think at the end of the day, we really try to sort of uh, like fulfill two things, Ben. So first is actually the desired profit for a product for our for our store. So profit is obviously one, one, one key area of pricing. And the other one is obviously the desired sales volume. So we don't just want to have a lot of profit, but really small amount of sales. So we essentially want to have both of them really high for our merchant, for our store. And that's the end of the day, sort of like a dream for all of us. But honestly, I... I believe that's really easier said than done. And I, I mostly see these two aspects like profit and sales volume treated as trade-offs. So people either really only focus on, you know, increasing their margins and some other merchants are only focusing on increasing their sales volumes. But I think the key with the pricing strategy framework is that sort of balancing these by also putting the customers in mind. So I try to emphasize this by saying that the cost, the competitive landscape and the customers should be always in our mind when we are making a pricing decision. And like considering cost and competitive position is really easy. So you need to be profitable as much as you can and you also need to be competitive. But also at the same time, we need to have an idea, obviously from a marketing perspective, we need to have an idea about our customers' willingness to pay for our products so that we maybe not necessarily need to be the cheapest in the market. So we can actually identify the right competitive position for ourselves, then we can actually identify the right profit margin for our products. And then with all these data points in hand, we can make data-driven decisions that we can, in a way, hypothesize as the right price for our product. And when I say hypothesize, I also see that, you know, people are really hesitant to test pricing. So, you know, we are okay to test, you know, with all those 
pop-ups, email subject lines and all those stuff. But you know, when, when it comes to pricing, it's mostly regarded like, I don't know, rocket science or magic. So people are sort of afraid of doing new things about it. But at the end of the day, it's really the same thing with all those other growth initiatives. So you actually come up with an hypothesis. You think that, okay, this position in the competitive landscape is the right one for me. It will give me X percent profit margin. So let's apply this. Then you get some data, like some results, and you see if that's the right price for your product. If it is, you then continue to apply that. If not, you change it. So what I'm saying is that you need to focus on the right balance and you need to keep actually adjusting your prices. So it's not a spray and pray thing, I mean. No, I think it's fascinating, you know, like I think about the times where I'm selling direct through our site and, mm -hmm. you know, we have maybe a five minute conversation of where we want to price this up front. And then it's like, oh yeah, you know, I don't know. We, <laughs> we landed on this price and it's scary to change it. But when you think about like the genesis of how that price first initiated, like there's probably very little data there initially. So like what types of businesses or you know, at what stage in the business journey do you think it makes sense to kind of run pricing optimization exercises? I mean, I think the political answer to this would be all sizes. But yeah, really, frankly speaking, I think it comes after really setting up your shop, like handling all the logistics. You know, you are able to actually set up a web shop, which is easy with Shopify, for example. So you should be able to send, ship out your products. So you should have the key infrastructure in hand. And I think after that, I believe pricing shouldn't be really deprioritized after marketing initiatives because at the end of the day, like we said in the beginning, I think pricing is really part of the product itself, part of the package. So you're essentially marketing what you sell and pricing is actually a key component of what you are selling. Like if we follow those, you know, 4P of marketing where you have product price and all that. So what we are marketing is really closely tied to pricing. So I believe anyone who are spending any time or any budget on marketing should be considering optimizing their prices. And when I say optimizing, I don't again mean that they need to deploy a huge sophisticated AI-based engine which will, you know, conquer the world or whatsoever, but they at least need to be as data-driven as possible. So like you said, they shouldn't be just thinking for it for five minutes and spray up and pray. So they should at least consider their costs in mind. They should at least have some knowledge about the competitive landscape before, you know, pricing their products. And the key part is that they shouldn't regard this as a one-time static decision-making process before doing the rest of the stuff. It should go hand in hand with all other initiatives we'll try. I mean, if we will try a new channel, for that channel, we will need to reconsider our pricing. And maybe if relevant, we should then consider changing it for the new marketing initiative. So I think this is mostly not what we are seeing in the market. It's mostly an, you know, separate process, separate operation, which is done prior to all the other stuff, or maybe after all the stuff, which makes its, I think, effectiveness way less than it can otherwise be. Yeah, I mean, we've even, like Privy, we're not a direct-to-consumer company, but we've mm. kind of rolled out new packages and adjusted pricing, in some cases down, in some cases up over the years. I'd say probably each year over the last three years, we've kind of made some moves as our business has evolved, as the market has evolved, as competition has evolved, and it's no, no easy feat. So maybe from a merchant perspective, give us like a, a story or two about, 
you know, customers you were working with would love to hear like mm -hmm. what the goal was, how it, how it ended up and like what some of the learnings were for that merchant. Sure. Well, picking merchant stories is always hard for me, but yeah, I would, I would go with, I think two merchants, one from the UK and one from Denmark. So the first one, maybe you should really meet this guy, Ben. I mean, if, if you're also running a podcast for merchants and whatsoever, there's this guy called George uh, from, from the UK running protein packages. And, you know, it's actually a dream story. So he started this business selling, you know, protein packages, as the name implies, from his garage, from his business, like from his bedroom. And then he actually moved to business in this, you know, nice trajectory. He moved this into his garage. Then he actually bought a warehouse. And now he scaled the business. But, you know, as he is in a really competitive industry and as the business scaled, like before he really focusing on pricing, uh, he started to notice that this scale was not really efficient in the sense of pricing. So he, he was obviously in a very, very competitive market because there are a lot of other like merchants selling the exact same branded products. So he primarily, for example, tried to do all this competitive intelligence part manually. So he and his colleagues started to, you know, invest, let's say, or maybe waste some time into manual competitor price tracking before really changing their prices because they really needed to do something about that. Because, for example, in their context, just like you said previously, like things were evolving a lot fast. So, you know, the competitors were changing prices all the time. Google Shopping was a, you know, hot channel for those items and so on. So he, at the end of the day, needed, like the, the, the key need he had was actually automating all this. So at the end of the day, this is really what we provide. So we offered them our automation, which helped them to track all the prices that they were tracking manually in an automated way. And, you know, most of the merchants we work with also gets to that stage afterwards. He also started to experiment with this rule-based pricing automation. So, you know, price collection, competitive intelligence is one part of the automation we provide. But the second layer is actually the more actionable part where then they also started to change their prices automatically, uh, like on their shop. So at the end of the day, we really helped them to like recover in two terms. So the first one was that they noticed with this automation that for some products, they were really way above the market average. So that stock was really that stock. Like they were not selling at all with that brand, with that product. So with competitive pricing, they started to actually get rid of that stock and they started to make decent amount of sales for that particular product group. And for some others, which is actually, I think, the key outcome of data-driven pricing, for some of the products, they noticed that they actually had an intrinsic cost advantage because, you know, George had a nice relationship with the supplier. So he was able to buy this brand at a relatively cheaper price than the competition. So he was adding a certain profit margin and he noticed that he was selling that brand way cheaper than the next cheapest competition out there. So he had the chance to increase his prices a bit for that extra profit margin that would otherwise be, I would say, like left on the table. So he really recovered that profit margin. And in the second case, I also especially love this case. There is this guy called Thomas from Denmark. So he's, he's running this sneaker store. I really love these type of merchants, man. I mean, their team is only two people and they actually have been scaling their business month over month for two years and they have never hired anyone additional on top of these two founders. They are literally like employing Shopify apps as employees in their team. So they are actually, you know, I don't know, buying one app for one particular job of the year. I mean, they are the ideal Shopify merchant, I guess, at least the ideal one I met. So also in their case, 
they needed some automation because they didn't want to have someone new in their team for this task. So they basically employed our app to do all the heavy lifting when it comes to price tracking, price automation. And that's, that's also how we, how we help them. So at the end of the day, in both cases, we really automated a, 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 an otherwise terribly manual task. And it gave them the chance to increase their like sales volumes, like I mentioned in the beginning, but also help them to recover some lost profit margins so that they match this ideal balance. I love it. Yeah, really, really good stories. And so like, do you really believe that there is a sweet spot where, you know, if price is at the right range, then its sales volume is kind of at a mm -hmm. peak. Like, is that kind of what the behavior you've seen after some of these changes? Yeah, yeah at least, I mean, what I call a sweet spot is actually the spot which offers us the maximum profit margin while it's also, you know, the total profit margin. I mean, not unit profit margin because like you can literally double your price so your theoretical profit margin, you know, increases. But what I'm saying is that you can increase your profit margin a bit, but at the same time, you can be as competitive as you like. And in the case where we help merchants to increase their prices while they are the cheapest is the sweet spot. For example, let me give you a really, really simple example. So let's say you are retailing a product at $10 and you have competitors at 15 and 16, right? So unless you monitor the market. You will think that 10 is okay. I set my price as 10, so let's go with 10. But if you monitor the market and if you notice that even $14 will be the cheapest in the market, which won't really hurt your, you know, that $4 price increase won't hurt your sales volume because you will still be the cheapest. But each and every $4 you make will be coming back into your pocket instead of just lying down on the, on the table. So that's the sweet spot I'm referring to. Fascinating. This is really, really good insights here. I think it's Thank you. Thank super you. helpful, you know, based on my experience and what we've seen from merchants, I think testing and, and getting smart about a strategy around pricing and not just assuming that it's set it and forget it, I think is, is a really good nudge, especially around the holiday season, right? Yeah. We're recording this on Cyber Monday, so it's probably a little mm -hmm. bit late for anyone listening to this next week, but um, leading up to Christmas and gifting and thinking about, you know, strategy for next year is... I think it's really smart to think about looking at competitive pricing, understanding exactly where you sit, uh, mm -hmm. and then making some experiments to test how does sales volume uh, mm -hmm. change with, with small price changes up or down? How does profitability change, et cetera? So really appreciate you coming on today, Burke. You're welcome. And you know, these tactics I think would work like 365 days of year, not necessarily just two days, like Black Friday and Summer Monday. So exactly. that's also what I, what I really do. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, of course. Take care, Burke. Take care, bye.